Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Very pleased to bring in a guy that does a lot of great work. Great respect for him as well. And that is uh, BenJonesStateCollege.com. Ben, welcome back. It's so great to hear you again. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Uh, so I want to start with uh, with the financial numbers that were put out. You took a long, hard look at it. Penn State brought in more money than ever, but it's also spent more in the athletic department. What was your general feel as to what you saw in the numbers? Yeah, I mean, I think it is. it reflects the notion these days that if you want to win, you're going to have to spend more. I think the, the idea that, um, you know, that winning is cheap, uh, especially with inflation, you know, that that's not the case. And I think Penn State, you look across the board, I thought it was interesting. You know, we talk a lot about the football numbers, the basketball numbers, some of those sports that are maybe top of mind for a lot more people. Um, but you look at the money that Penn State spent on all of its other uh, athletic areas, all of its different teams, it spent more money in that fiscal year across the board on each and every program. And I think, um, you know, some years that's been the case for some programs, some years it hasn't been the case. But across the board, every program saw more money, and every program, except for one, I believe, brought in more money. So, you know, it, it you know, when you tell people that Penn State spent more money, the, I think the natural question is to say, well, where's the biggest area? Um, and the answer is pretty much everywhere. I mean, some of the the main numbers you you can look at Penn State football's recruiting budget effectively, not not technically, but basically doubled. Um, in that year and continues to go up. We, we should assume to see the same thing the next time that report comes out um, in terms of its growth. So it's, it's really across the board. You know, Penn State's obviously always in the business of hiring more administrators and more people uh, to sort of run the ship, if you will. So it's not just one thing. It's, it's everything. And, you know, I think that's sort of the direction that the intercollegiate athletics, for better or for worse, is headed. It also should be pointed out that this is the last report that they'll put out under the old TV contract. The next report will include the new numbers from the current TV contract, which is backloaded, by the way, but it's going to include those numbers. How interested are you to see the escalation there uh, on the media side of it that can make a difference? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge difference. I think if you're Pat Kraft, that's, that's one of the great advantages that you have right now, that there's no, there's no question that he has probably the most aggressive infrastructure agenda that, you know, Penn State administrator or athletic director has really had. Um, but at the same time, he's also working with more money um, than, than anybody before him has ever had. I think the fact that that, that media rights deal kicks in, it's a lot of money that you go, okay, how do we want to use this? What's the best way to use it? Because um, you know, you look at last year's report, the, or the, the, the previously released one, um, Penn State had about $10 million extra dollars in the, in the budget. It's not really a profit-building, uh, you know, circumstance. They're not putting that away to just sort of sit on it for forever. This year, it was a little over $100,000. Um, but you add in all of that media rights money, um, it's a lot of things to work with, and you figure they're going to use it because you and I both know um, certainly the, the process of financing Beaver Stadium's renovation um, you know, it's going to come from a lot of different areas, but uh, it, it ain't cheap. And everywhere that that money can come in, that they can send towards that and all their other departments and all their other 
uh, teams is is more money to work with, and that's that's good news for Penn State as it tries to tackle this agenda. In fact, it's not just the Fox, CBS, NBC money that will now be a part of the mix. They also have the new contract with Playfly that will kick in beginning on on, on June first as well. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm interested in what the total picture looks like. And maybe some of the spending that was done this year was in in, in anticipation that they knew knew they they could back it up with revenue coming up. Yeah, there's no question. Um, you know, I look forward to, to hearing how many times it takes you before you get play fly, fly coming out of your mouth the right <laughs> way, other than Learfield. But I don't know. I don't know what kind of uh, NDAs you have to sign at this point to make sure that that doesn't happen. But in any case, um, you know, I think <laughs> I, I think it, it, there's no question that you know you've got to be strategic about how you spend their money. I think that's one of the interesting things when you look at these reports is. There's a lot of information, but there's also sometimes there's not a ton of context or, you know, you have to kind of dig into it to figure out what happened and why. Um, but, yeah, there, there's no question that some preemptive spending this year could be in part because, you know, things are coming down the pipe that aren't reflected into that report. Um, there's no question that, that that's definitely part of it. One of the example is, you know, Penn State, uh, it reports it's giving, but only when it's used in terms of money that comes in through philanthropy. Um, so there's always stuff in the works that, that we just don't know about until it hits the books. And when it hits the books is is very often much different than when the pledge was made. So there's not going to be a drinking game if I say Learfield, is there? I just want... <laughs> I, somebody somewhere will be drinking. I think there's no question about that. But uh, as, as to why, you know, I'll leave that up to them. Yes, ex- exactly right. Uh, we'll find out. Uh, one of them I usually look at, uh, is the wrestling numbers. And the only reason I look at the wrestling numbers is because of the great respect all of us have for the program, and they sell out all the time. And I think, it, it to me, it's always the message to me is how difficult it is for an Olympic sport to make money if that one can't. Because I mean, it's it's the platinum standard uh, of sports. Do you take a good close at that one? Yeah, I know you look at all of them, but how close do you look at that one? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right that it's a good example because I think a lot of people, when they talk about these numbers, um, and to answer a more immediate question, you know, Penn State Wrestling made, I think it comes as no surprise, a lot of money last year in terms of the revenue that you that they brought in. But like you said, um, I think it's really a great example of how hard it is really for any athletic department across the country for these Olympic sports to be a cash-positive Endeavor that you know it costs a lot to turn on the money at Rec Hall. It costs a lot of money to run the show. It costs a lot of money to travel, and you know obviously wrestling uniforms aren't exactly the most robust. But you've got to pay for equipment and things like that. And and it has historically not been a cash positive venture, as as you and I both know. It's pretty much just football and men's basketball, and and that really just has to do with the fact that. Uh, you know, football is obviously its own thing. Men's basketball gets a lot of help from its part of the media rights deal as well. And hockey has technically been a cash positive thing, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that they they uh, they put the money for running Pagula in a different bucket in the budgetary things. But for all intents and purposes, it's not necessarily cash positive either. But yeah, wrestling is a great example. Sell out every every duel, sell out every Jordan Center thing, sell out. You know. Everything they've got to sell, people will buy it. People will show up. It's great, um, and yet it's still a challenge to to be cash positive. And I think that's part of the reason why Penn State football and its success is obviously so important, and why so many athletic departments across the country. It's not that they don't care about these other sports. It's just that there's really only one or two that are really paying for everything, 
Um, and that usually comes down to football and basketball. And again, based on their numbers, I mean, that's it was a minus eight hundred thousand this year, and over two yeah, years, yeah. And, and over two years, it's almost two million. And a lot of people find it hard to fathom that the platinum standard program that you can't find a ticket for is in that spot. But that tells you how important the media rights happen to be. It tells you how important the college football playoff distribution, how important that is. It tells you how important the NCAA men's basketball distribution happens to be. I mean, to me, that's what it outlines all, because the NCAA distribution, it's on the line there. It's right there as a line for wrestling. is $49,000. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's an intricate puzzle. You know, I don't think that I have the brain power to try and unpack a tournament uh, units and things like that that they hand out after the tournament to different conferences for the success that they have but yeah I mean it's a difficult endeavor and that's part of the reason why you've seen athletic departments across the country have to figure out how they're going to make it all work and one of the reasons why Penn State's been so fortunate to be an athletic department that not only has as many programs um, as it does but able to keep them I think that's one of the things that's a different conversation altogether but you look at some of the places like Alabama, Clemson um, so those are two that come to mind off the top of my head, that they have significantly fewer uh, athletic programs in total compared to Penn State. And when it comes to football, when it comes to facilities, when it comes to all of those things, you know, that money's got to go somewhere. And that's been, uh, you know, feeding uh, a lot of these programs and making sure that they stay afloat. And that's always been a point of pride for Penn State, probably something that always should be. Um, but, yeah, it's, a, it's an intricate model. And, you know, I remember telling Pat Chambers once when we were the, one of the first times they shot – uh, fireworks off of Beaver Stadium that that one is entire recruiting budget so it's just it's a challenge <laughs> <laughs> out there to, to make it all work and Penn State to its credit especially coming out of COVID-19 where that was hard for everybody um, has figured a way to stand on both two feet. All right, uh, Shifting gears because it's great to have the opportunity to talk to you about such things uh, Penn State on football has had to replace all three coordinators uh, along the way uh, with Stacy Collins ending up going to Boise State and now Justin Lustig uh, comes in to go with Andy Colton, Nikki, to go with Tom Allen. What's been your thought on the coordinators that were brought in, and what does it mean to a program when that happens? Yeah, I mean, I think there's no question that, you know, Penn State was afforded a lot of consistency and continuity over the years, and that's just not how, you know, the world works anymore. I think if you're James Franklin, you go, did I get better? And, you know, obviously, you know, defensively, it's hard to imagine that that Penn State defense could be better, and that was not really the charge there. I think to, to replace, uh, you know, Manny Diaz is just a matter of finding someone who can grab a hold of those things and and keep it in place. I think Tom Allen is a sensible hire for that. I think Andy Kultanicki has done a great job his entire career of, uh, you know, making the most of what he's got. And I think that that was really, you know, it's a different conversation. But I think one of Penn State's weaknesses this year was really in those big games going, so what exactly are we good at and how do we make the most of that? And I think that that's really the charge now is to do that and to answer that question. And I think, frankly, you know, I think Stacy Collins is a nice guy. He did a really good job this year from, you know, the special teams unit started out a little shaky and became, for the most part, really something that Penn State could lean on throughout the rest of the year. But I don't think a special teams is a sort of hire where you can really, like, read the headline and go, wow, I'm impressed. And I actually think that Penn State made a hire that you go, you read this guy's resume, you see what he has done, you see the fact that, you know, he's had that consistency throughout his career. You go, this is actually a good special teams hire. And I don't know how many times 
and it's, it's all due respect to special teams because no one cares about it until they do, um, that I, I think that, you know, it says a lot about their ability to identify people that are going to fill their needs and do that. And, you know, special teams is, is important. And if you can hire somebody in all three phases of the game that makes you feel like you got better or at least stayed the same, um, I think that there's no question that change is not ideal for any program, but I think that's the end result you're looking for. What? How did you view the transfer portal pickups by Penn State? And I know this is a wide-ranging question, but also the fact that Devon Elliott, Akeem Beeman, Sal Wormley, Nick Dawkins, Keandre Lambert-Smith also opted to come back. How do you view that total package there? Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day that Penn State has, has staked its claim in the idea that the best way to do this is to keep guys, to develop them, to recruit them, and then go into the portal and find guys that might answer your needs. And I think that the portal for Penn State has really sort of bear the truth that picking a guy up doesn't mean he's going to solve your problems. I think we saw Mitchell Tinsley, wait, receiver, came right in, made a big impact on Penn State. Penn State would have loved to have had him this year. And then you look at Dante Cephas, who, you know, for whatever reason, for a lot of different reasons, it didn't pan out the same way. And I think they were both pretty similar guys in the portal in terms of people wanting them in terms of where they came from in terms of what we thought they were going to be able to do and you got two very different sorts of results so I think that you look again Julian Fleming there's no question that's a guy that you know Penn State has wanted for forever it it seems like I think I made the joke that the recruiting department probably went into an old PDF file somewhere of (laughs) Julian Fleming commitment things and then edited him to make him look older that uh, you know that's that's a good pickup but I think what you need to learn from the portal is you don't know what you've got until they're playing games that matter. And I think for Penn State, when it comes to keeping guys that are known commodities, you know what you're going to get to, out of Hakeem Beam, and you know what you're going to get out of Devon Ellis. And I think that we know Keandre Lambert-Smith can be a better player than he was at times this year. So to me, um, you know, Lane Kiffin said it at one of the Peach Bowl press conferences that Penn State's one of the best programs at keeping guys out of the portal um, and really not having to shop there. And Old Miss and Penn State have really been sort of opposite ends of that coin in terms of transfer portal acquisition. So to me, it's a good balance. And I think at the end of the day, the more guys that you can keep into your program for longer, the better off you're going to be. And Penn State was able to do that and then address some needs in the portal. And we'll just have to wait and see how they fit. Yeah, in fact, Lane Kiffin was literally on the Alabama campus. You're allowed to do it. It's within the rules, but they have so many players in the portal. He was actually on campus uh, wanting to talk with people. That aside, we'll get to that story in a little bit. Uh, Love talking basketball with you as well. You know your hoops as well as anybody. Penn State beat Wisconsin 87-83 on Tuesday night. Wisconsin came into the game ranked 11th. We all know it's been a roller coaster for this team to this point. What did you see that was a little different on Tuesday night? Well, they made shots. I think that's, you know, the the great joy about basketball is, you know, football can be this complex sport where you need a lot of things to go well, and sometimes it's just, you know, you don't have the physical aptitude to blow somebody off the line. Basketball, anybody can throw that thing up, and it's going to go in regardless of a lot of different factors. And I think Penn State finished well at the rim. I think it shot well. It shot its free throws well. I think that it got back to really what has been Penn State basketball's MO through all of these head coaches of the blade is really, you know, maybe we're not more skilled than you, and that hasn't always been the case. Certainly recently, Penn State's been the better team. But independent of that, we're going to outwork you. And I think that we saw Penn State, a Penn State team that, to their credit, through the ups and downs, through the frustrations and whatnot, 
came out and said, look, maybe we're not the better shooting team, and they turned out to be the better shooting team, but we're going to at least win more of these 50-50 balls. We're going to find ways to create turnovers. Ace Baldwin is, you know, it changes every night, but at least in the top 10 in terms of steals per game, um, these guys are out there working hard, and you know, I, I uh, you know, there's there's been more than a few head coaches that have said the word attitude around that program, but I think attitude is certainly a good way to uh, address or to sort of sum up what Penn State did well uh, that night. Let me ask you something: in your coverage of sports these days, football, basketball, what kind of role does analytics play in how you view sports today, if at all? Um, I mean, I think it's informative in a lot of ways because I think that. Um, the challenge is, is that I think sports makes you feel a lot of things in terms of, you know, I feel like this team is not good at X, Y, or Z. And I think analytics gives you the ability to say, is that true? Um, and go and sort of dive into the nitty gritty of, uh, does what I feel match the data? Now, I think that, you know, every coach and every player will tell you that, you know, you can have paralysis by analysis. You can, you know, there's, there's tempo stats and all sorts of things that tell you X, Y, or Z about a team, and you don't really know what to do with that. But I think that it's it's a great tool at large to have to inform you of uh, how do I feel and does that match the data. And for me, from the perspective of trying to tell people what I think happened and why it happened, I think it's really invaluable. But certainly I understand coaches and players that want to have not a safe distance because I think it's a good tool, but a balance between, I think James Franklin has said that, uh, what the numbers tell you and what your feel is in the moment of the game. Ben, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time today. It's great to have you back on. Yep, thanks for having me, Steve. And that's Ben Jones, statecollege.com. We'll come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Summer.